Thank you for listening to the Prevention Podcast brought to you by Casa Trinity. Hope begins here. Our guest this month is Anthony Hooks, Chemung County Prevention Specialist. We talk with Anthony about the changing marijuana regulations in New York State and how the new regulations could be dangerous for youth. If you enjoy this episode, please rate and review it and be sure to share it on social media. Let's spread the word and get these resources out into the community. Anthony, thanks so much for joining the Prevention Podcast. It's great to talk to you today. Great to be here, Sean. Thank you for having me. Would you mind just starting off with a little bit of background about yourself and, um, you know, the service area? I know Casa Trinity certainly covers a a pretty uh, broad geographic range. Yeah. Uh, So I uh, work with Chemung County, uh, the prevention team here in Chemung County for Casa Trinity. Um, My title is a community prevention specialist. Uh, So what I do is I get the opportunity to uh, connect with people and organizations within within the community. Um, so I'm not dedicated to realistically any place in particular, but, uh, you know, work with entities within Elmira, Horseheads, and whatever Shimon County covers. Great. Um, and I know that you're uh, really focused on some of the marijuana regulations. Um, want to talk a little bit about the MRTA, which if people are not aware, that's the Marijuana Regulations and Taxation Act. Um, you want to start just by kind of talking about that, because I know a lot of things are changing pretty quickly um, across New York State. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the MRTA uh, something that came around 2020 to 2021 or was uh, was signed to effect uh, basically allowing the the recreational use, uh, distribution, growing uh, of marijuana, people of the age of 21 years or older, um, allowing people to, uh, I guess, necessarily, I guess, actually carry uh, a certain amount as well. Uh, so basically, in essence, trying to, as they say, correct the, you know, correct the war on or the prohibition of marijuana for so many years, uh, removing marijuana from the Controlled Substance uh, um, Act and stuff like that, which allows them to be able to have these things and not, you know, be in trouble as long as they're of the age of 21 or older. Yeah. So, I mean, we could safely assume that marijuana and THC in general is um, much more widely available, um, probably much more likely that um, anyone, uh, kids, teens, adults, um, you know, parents, schools, anyone is going to be more likely to come across it. Um, and it certainly uh, is out there in various forms as well. It's not just um, the the leaves that some people might be, you know, used to from from the past. Can you talk about some of the forms that uh, people might encounter marijuana or THC? Um, so yeah, some of the, like I said, the bud, the, the bud marijuana, which is most commonly known from everyone, but um, what we're also seeing it now is, uh, you know, in vaping uh, as well. Um, so there's the concentrate version of THC, uh, which you'll find mostly in dabbing uh, and uh, or even some forms of edibles, things like that, where basically it's uh, taking the uh, maybe the bud or the leaf that you're usually seeing, make it more of a waxy substance, 
uh, using different ways. Uh, and then also, you know, once again, using it within the vaping mechanism, stuff like that, uh, vaping oils, things like that. So you can see it in different uh, forms now, uh, mostly the situation that we're seeing the high issue and maybe would be dabbing and uh, edibles. Can you talk a little bit about what, what dabbing is um, and maybe the difference between like what you would find in edibles versus what you might find in something that would be smoked? Yeah. So like changing the structure, taking the, or, or taking the, 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 the concentrate, the concentrate of the actual leaf or of the actual uh, substance, uh, it increases the THC level basically. Um, so, you know, usually the normal, uh, THC level uh, of maybe a bud, a piece of bud marijuana or something to be 25%. Uh, whereas with concentrates uh, with like dabbing, things like that, you're seeing about 90% possibly of a, of a level. Um, that's increasing just within the usage of these certain like uh, materials, things like that. So when they're doing the dabbing, they're in much of a, of a, of a higher content in THC. So it's just more of an effective, I guess you can say hit that they're taking mm-hmm. um, edibles. Um, once again, that's, you know, taking this uh, form of THC, uh, changing the levels of it, and then uh, with that, making it more of a uh, overtime issue, things like that. So when they're popping edibles, they're seeing uh, an issue over time where it's not hitting right away, but it might hit at a, or have a delayed reaction to uh, when they're taking it. And so I, I imagine and, and sort of understand that the risks then to some of these things is that um, if someone is trying it for the first time, they don't feel anything right away, they might take more. And then, you know, the, the likelihood of um, overdosing is, is certainly higher. Um, or they might just not know that the concentration is so much higher in, in some of the products that they might be consuming. Um, Want to start maybe by talking about what some of the signs of uh, THC overdose look like. I don't think it's something that's talked about too often um but uh you know as as you're talking about the concentration percentages and the availability of um of some of these uh items it's certainly a risk um and uh and maybe let's just start with what some of the warning signs are about that yeah so i mean some of the terms uh that are out there now like are greening out uh where there's people experiencing these different uh, symptoms such as like vomiting, uh, dizziness, uh, disorientation, uh, things like that they're experiencing. Like it's always hard because people always say they make that term like you can never overdose on, on, on this substance. But the reality is that these risks are very, very common and very, very real. Uh, when you're experiencing these types of things, um, you know, it, it can affect your sleep patterns. It can affect your decision making. Uh, it, it affects your behavior. Um, you know, a lot of these things kind of come into play with uh, uh, of this high usage of it, or even just even weaning off of it. You know, after taking, like you said before, they're um, looking for a, a good high, and if they mm-hmm. don't have never done it before, they're looking to do more. You know, weaning off of it can lead to a lot of also uh, forms of depression, things like that that you're experiencing, but. Yeah, and the immediate uh, signs of these overdoses and things like that is, is just what we call the poisonings, I guess you can say. Say a uh, more common used word is poisonings, um, and you're, mm-hmm. you're seeing vomiting, you're seeing sick, flu-like symptoms, things like that. People getting very sick. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, now I know the narrative around, uh, marijuana, um, has changed since you and I were kids. Um, you know, we had programs in school that, um, addressed marijuana in, in different ways than I think the public narrative addresses it today. And certainly because some of the laws are changing, there's the impression that it's, it's safe and that it's harmless and that, you know, it's, it's easy to get and might be fun recreationally. What's the message that you're trying to get out from your perspective to kids in school today, or just from the preventative, um, narrative in general, uh, how has that changed? over the years and, and what is it that you're trying to get across today? Yeah. So like, you know, we, we, we've always pitched the idea that legal doesn't always equal safe. Um, the reality is, is that we can understand what the MRTA is meant to do for the communities that uh, they feel are wronged uh, in the time with, with the drug wars and things like that. We can understand that for sure. Um, but we're, we're not talking about you know, marijuana or THC content that was like what it was like back in like the 60s, 70s, or you know, like we always said, it's not like your grandpa's marijuana or grandma's marijuana, mm-hmm. right? THC levels are a THC levels are a lot higher. Um, not to mention, we're uh, items not being regulated or product not being regulated. We don't know what's exactly in them, right? People can say they are, they can trust their, you know, their at the time dealer or they can trust the person providing them this, um, this, these products you don't really know what's going into them and seeing that there is uh, uh, much more dangerous levels of THC content within these, in, in these products. Um, I think that's realistically becoming the big issue when it comes to issues. So what we're trying to really prevent is a, you know, uh, anyone under the age of 21 should not be using these, these products. Um, the, the effects that THC has on the youth brain um, it's, it's, it's heavily documented. Um, those students are struggling because of the usage, heavy usage, and not to mention talking about teenage usage where, um, they may not understand, uh, like usage and how much they should be using where some will say, I wake up and have just this much where youth are just doing it in social settings and just feeling like, oh, there's nothing wrong with this because maybe my mom does it, maybe my dad does it, or my cousin does it, or people in the community are doing it. It's not a big deal. The the, the youth usage is becoming a real big issue, especially when you're talking about adding, you know, the dabbing and the higher levels of THC that comes from that, from those things. Um, we're seeing a lot more of those uh, problem areas coming out where poisons are happening more frequently. Kids are being rushed to the hospital um, and, you know, the moodiness, you know, the what it does to the brain, uh, their, their, their slow reaction times, things like that tend to start to take place in these younger ages, you know, but if you get to 21 years and older, um, we just want to see responsible usage. Um, you know, we want to see people that are actually taking it serious. Um, it's not a substance you just like can smoke in your car, driving down the, driving the highway, mm-hmm. uh, thinking that everything's going to be fine. Um, I know something recently been talking about is experience over facts, right? People have learned experience from the use of this, of this drug or of this, uh, of these products, uh, it's like, Oh, I can handle it. And, uh, it, all it takes is that one time or that misstep to, or miscue in this, in your usage to cause issues and cause problems, you know, for not just yourself, but for people in the community and things like that. You know, we're also seeing where this dependency is becoming an issue as well. Whereas, you know, we like to see people be able to use it in a way that they feel is, or what we feel we see as responsible, especially to keep the community safe. Uh, to keep their homes safe and keep the school safe. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that this is a topic of concern for, for parents as well, like how to have this conversation, um, how to make sure that, you know, even even though it's legal now and, and once their kids turn 21, they, they can legally access um, some of these products. Uh, what what can a parent do today to work with their kids um, to help them understand uh responsible use, um, and maybe the same way that they would understand responsible consumption of alcohol, um, or, yeah. or not, you know, it might be different too, but I guess that's the question is, um, what can parents do to kind of prepare their kids for when they do have legal access? Right. I think, I, I think the, the most important thing for parents is, uh, especially today, if you're dealing with younger or like youth, uh, from the age of, you know, say you're 12 to hire things like that like just be willing to have that conversation be willing to actually sit down and talk with them about what responsible uses looks like um i think there's a lot of uh, bad pictures painted through media uh things like that and like movies and uh, other things about you know how youth should use and that's their that's their example whereas that's not true and it's not realistic mm-hmm. they need to have the understanding that it is a danger to use, right? Um, it is a danger to uh, be a part of this. So, like, yeah, we would always encourage parents to, to encourage a child to not use, right? But with accessibility and you know, people and, and, and the ability to, you know, especially not every household is the same. They're going to be able to use maybe at that friend's house. They wouldn't to like they wouldn't be able to use at their own home. So mm-hmm. it's, it might happen. But I think being able to have the responsible conversation and say we need to talk about this. To not judge their, you know, their usage. I mean, once again, before all this MRTA discussion came into effect, youth were using these substances. They, you know, they're they're getting a hold of alcohol, they're getting a hold of tobacco products, and they're getting a hold of mar- of marijuana. Um, don't be judgmental, but lay down. But if you feel like this is a respect thing for your household, things like that, have that discussion and say, here's what I would not like you to do. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and then presenting these also very important facts about the dangers of this use for the underdeveloped brain. It's very important to let kids know that you using is going to hurt you in the long run. Whether you want to believe that or not, it really yeah. can cause a pattern of, uh, of irresponsibility, of harm, of everything else and play into some things that might not be present today, mm-hmm. uh, especially if kids are saying they're using because of depression, anxiety, things like that. All these substances don't help it. They just mask it. They don't yeah. really help you in the long run. So if there's something you're use- needing to do to get help, go get actual help mm-hmm. first before pre- trying these other substances that realistically lead you to some more uh, dangerous responses or, or things like that that could happen down the road. Yeah, I think that's a, a recurring theme. You know, when we think about prevention, just in general, that um, there are healthy coping mechanisms for stress, for anxiety, for trauma, for anything that might take place. And then there are unhealthy coping mechanisms. And just because things like marijuana and alcohol are legal and available um, and could be, you know, a, a a, a social um, uh, social substance or or something for recreational use doesn't mean that it's a safe coping mechanism. Um, right. And uh, and yeah, I love that you're sort of reiterating, you know, making sure to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that um, 
is uh, evolving as the MRTA, um, you know, gets to a, a more firm and understandable place, um, which, you know, is changing month to month and things, mm-hmm. um, is that the sticker shops that we've been seeing pop up all over the place, yeah. um, those those are not regulated. They're not part of the MRTA. Um, can you explain the difference between uh, the sticker shops that we've seen everywhere and actual licensed dispensaries that are just now coming onto the scene? Right. To, something that I say, and it might seem a little harsh, but it's something that I believe it to be the actuality. It's, it's legalized drug dealing in essence, right? We're seeing... Um, shop owners uh, obtaining the, the business license and like they're getting the ability to have these novelty shops, these sticker shops, whatever you want to call it, whatever they're giving out um, uh, or are selling uh, in lieu of the gift that they give out. Um, they're getting the proper licenses for that, but not actually uh, telling the businesses what they're actually doing. And mm-hmm. so the differences between these pot shops is they're not licensed. So all the products you see are unregulated, um, uh, unregulated products. They're getting things that don't have THC content level on them. Um, in, in actuality, it's just basically them getting their stuff from where they got their usage from before the MRTA and before their uh, it was legal to use recreationally um, and putting it behind glass and saying, we're just going to give it out to you guys. This is how we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there could be some that are growing their own product as well to, to sell their own product as well. But as we're talking about uh, other uh, other items such as edibles or the dabbing, they, that stuff that is unregulated because we don't know where it's coming from. They We don't know. There's no supervision of the regulation. So where you're having that happen with the, the sticker shops, and the pot shops, um, the dispensaries all have licenses to do things and everything, every product they have is all regulated and under supervision of the, of the Office of Cannabis Management or the organizations that provide that. So they're getting the products from, um, from um, trusted places, farms, growers, things like that. And it's not, once again, it's not just Joe Schmo, it's those that have licenses to be able to grow, licenses mm-hmm. to mass distribute, things like that. So you're looking at factories and companies, so they'll have actual packaging that gives you the content level of the THC that's in each item. So they're knowing this is a high level, this is a low level. Um, and we're telling you exactly where it's coming from and what what's used to grow and um, how it was packaged and how it was sent out to you. So where we're seeing more of a, of a business aspect on this, the legal dispensary side, we're just seeing more of a money grab yeah. for the pot shops. Well, I think this conversation has been great for awareness and, and to help people, um, kids, parents, teens, understand um, a little bit more about the MRTA um, and about what products are out there. Um, is there anything else that you want to add and, and sort of maybe summarize the work that you're doing uh, and what you run into um, in terms of prevention um, and in terms of maybe some of the conversations that you have um, around the community? Yeah, I, I would say just, you know, people do the research that you need to do. Um, the information is out there um, that you need to obtain. Um, the the facts over uh, over um, over usage or experience, um, you know, I would rather see the facts than the experience. Yes, it affects people differently. Yes, it's different across the board. But here's the reality that there are these real things happening and real stories that are happening to people being harmed and hurt because of the use of this substance. Um for pot shops, I'd say get licensed, 
you know, go get your licenses. I know it's hard. It can be a little bit of a challenge, but the OCM is willing to work with you to get that done. So um, I encourage that to happen. And so just to see our communities uh, in a safer place when it comes to substance use, especially with, uh, with, with marijuana. Well, Anthony, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me, um, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, and uh, if there's any sort of resources um, that that someone might be looking for, um, I know, of course, uh, the Casa Trinity website is is there. Um, are there any other like social media accounts or apps or things that people can check out or download that you'd recommend? Yeah, it's, uh, the New York the New York State website web pages are always there. The public health pages are always there with all the information. The MRTA, uh, what's legal, what's illegal. That's always a resource, and that and social media, um, just connecting with them as well. I'm seeing the messaging that's going out there. They have campaigns going on about. Uh, I think currently that's happening on Snapchat and uh, TikTok and things like that about the the, the importance of legalized. Uh, or licensed dispensaries and why why purchase legal things like that. So that's 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 out there as well. So they're doing a good job with making sure and 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 addressing the real issue with these things about the illegal usage and the problem that it could cause for the communities, things like that. So I, I would I would go there first. I mean, there's the SAMHSA um, a website as well, webpage SM. S-A-M-S-H-A, that um, they, they have a lot of information as well with that uh, and a variety of different other, you know, promoted places you can go to get information on every different topic when it comes to substance use. Perfect. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for, for your time, for the information and resources um, and for the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sean. I appreciate it. This podcast was produced by Creagent Marketing and hosted by me, Sean Lukasik. It's made possible by Casa Trinity. Thank you for listening. For more information, visit casa-trinity.org.